think the big challenge here is we know that weather impacts agriculture. We all know that. That's why we talk about it so much. But what's the adjustments that you can make? What things can you do to persevere, get through, and also still have a maximization or an optimization, I guess, of the situation and get you yourself a big yield or at least a yield that keeps you profitable? Welcome to Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve. More than just a podcast, it's the place for insights you can apply immediately to your farm operation for increased success. This episode of Cutting the Curve is brought to you by Ag Explore. With innovative products that improve fertilizer efficiency, protect yield, and reduce stress, Ag Explore helps maximize field potential. Find out how Ag Explore can help you get more out of your crop at agexplore.com. And now, here's your host, Damian Mason. Hey there, welcome to another fantastic episode of Extreme Ice Cutting the Curve. We're talking about weather, but not really, because farm people talk too much about the weather. Frankly, we're talking about weather adjustments. You know what? Some people this year, meaning the crop year 2022, got absolutely rocked. You heard about the dry drought issues in the plains and in the uh, United States West. We also had some dry, and then we got hit with hurricanes. Well, Miles Farms in the Delta region of Arkansas, Southeast Arkansas, that is, um, had some weather problems of their own. Extreme, excessive heat. Matt Miles says it's as bad as he's ever seen, especially in the overnight temps, which stressed the crops. And then they had the issue of huge rains that came in when the soybeans were basically ready to harvest, and then they started messing with the soybeans. So we got a lot of weather adjustments to have been made. Matt Miles, McGee, Arkansas, Lane Miles, McGee, Arkansas, joining us today. Tell us what you dealt with this year. Lane, you start, and then we're going to get historical perspective from your dad. Oh, uh, so, I mean, all honesty, we've, we've kind of been all over the place. Just to kind of start, I mean, never have we been dry enough to plant beans in February, we, and, and we did. Uh, had a fairly dry planting season, ended up getting a pretty wet after planting season. During the irrigation, we got we got dry and we've been dry ever since. What's, a normal, plant, dry, what's a normal planting window for soybeans in McGee, Arkansas? Normally, we will plant for three, four days. It'll rain for three or four days. Plant for three or four days, rain for three or four days. Is that usually happen like starting March 15th? Yeah, probably somewhere around there. Wouldn't you say, Dad? Yeah, I mean, it, it, we're we're getting there earlier every year. So, you know, if we had this conversation five years ago, we would have said April fifteenth. Today, we would say, you know, our target date to try to start based on our average frost, uh, you know, in the spring last frost would be. We're thinking our new target date's March fifteenth, March sixteenth. Got it. So. You went out in February, you put in beans. It looked like it was going to be brilliant. We talked about, we have an episode about it, an extreme ag. Then what? Uh, they, I mean, they actually, they turned out pretty decent, you know, compared to the rest of our crops. Uh, I'm going to say they're right there in the, in the, right around the average uh, as everything else. When did it, when did it start being, I think we got a problem. Uh, when did you start looking around, Matt, and say, wait a minute, this year is going to have a real weather challenge for us. Every year it's hot in the Delta. That's not a big story. Uh, when did it start thinking, when did you start thinking, oh, shh, we got a problem? Well, we kind of knew, and, and, and you know, I, I've made this comment several times as a farmer, <clears throat> we got to figure out a way not to blame the weather for our failures, but it just, year in and year out 
something's always going to change and it don't matter. I've talked to people in the Midwest and the East coast and California and they're like, well, if you don't like our weather today, just hang around here and it'll change tomorrow. You know, that's the thing. And, and that's true anywhere you go. Um, but as far as this year, you know, we planted the February beans. We had a two day window to get that done. We got it done, not knowing if we'd be successful or not. As Lane said, we had a, you know, we had a pretty good planting season. <clears throat> we were at the point at that, at that point, you know, we were thinking we might not irrigate this corn, but twice, you know, that might be all we end up having to irrigate. Um, we were told, you know, by different people that watch the weather better than we do, that we were going to have a really hot June and a really hot July. Well, as you said earlier, I'm used to a really hot July and a pretty hot June. I'm a hot January sometime. I mean, this year, prime example, this year, I think Christmas, it was probably on Christmas Day, it was in the 80s. You know, more like if you were in South Louisiana or somewhere like that, you know, normally on Christmas Day, we ought to at least be in the 45 range, you know, if not colder. So, you know, I kind of know this is going to be a weird year. I kind of knew it was going to be hot. Uh, then the spring started and we started getting timely rains. We were getting our, you know, pre-merges activated, all of our stands. You know, a, a good rain at the right time will make you look like a hero. Yeah. If you grew up planting and you get the right rain, the right rain, it'll make you really look smart, you know, because it'll take care of a lot of mistakes. Then June hit. And, uh, you know, our corn was... If I remember right, we were either tassel or right there at tassel, probably a little past tassel before we had to start worrying about irrigation. And man, it was a hundred degrees, like just stacking in days of a hundred degrees. Every night before I go to bed during the summer, I'll look at the heat index before I close my eyes. Mm -hmm. And if it's, if it's somewhere in a seventy-nine to, I just say eighty and above. I know that our crop's going to have a percentage be down. Okay. So we're not going to make the yield that we made in the year that we had more weather that's more conducive to, to the Midwest. Take that times 2.0. So we, I was looking at this thinking, you know, and we, we were not, we weren't getting across our fields, our sets with the irrigation because the evaporation alone was sucking the water out because of the heat. And we just did the best we could, you know, thank, thank the Lord. We had some stress mitigation products out there, you know, helping us some. And it ended up being the third hottest June in the history of Arkansas. So, I mean, I'm, I'm 53. I don't know when they started that history, but I don't know when Arkansas was a state, but <laughs> there's pretty bad. So third hottest summer on in the history of the state of Arkansas, that's going back a ways. But the more important thing here is, and again, I like what you just said. Farmers love to talk about the weather. It's what we do, right? It's on their phone. It's on their truck radio. It's on their computer, their DTN screen. I mean, this goes on, on, on. But here's the deal. You said something smart. We got to find a way in agriculture to stop blaming the weather for our failures. We know that there's absolute, you know, dust, dust bowls, that kind of stuff. It's not the first time it's been hot. It was the overnight stuff. You still persevered and got through it. We talked in our webinar about stress mitigation. You said stress mitigation is not, is everything. Um, it's, it's not a product, it's a practice. So some of the things that you did this year that you think helped you bang out a big yield and probably a bigger yield than county average or regional average, 
was it product, practice, both, and what things? As far as practices, Damien, Damien, uh, always in, in soybeans, the, the earlier plant, the the more you get out of that stress. Same thing, same thing really in corn, because you can avoid stress of insects or rust or something later in the later in the growing season. Uh, so number one, my opinion is is planting a little bit earlier because that that gets you that gets you earlier in the year to where you're trying to beat the heat. Is that on everything? Is that okay? Crop specific or everything? In my opinion, I I would say it's it's pretty much everything. Uh, we back we probably moved our corn a little bit further than normal because maybe you can get a little too early. But our beans we keep backing up even further. Uh, I'm gonna say, like Dad said earlier, March fifteenth is is a pretty good starting point. Probably so, will try a little bit earlier this year if I had to take a guess. And now here's the thing. The person that's listening to this that is in southern Wisconsin says, yeah, well, I remember thinking that the earlier I got out, the better. And then we got, uh, what's our buddy Kevin call it? Easter freeze. Easter freeze. <laughs> <laughs> if you're in southern Wisconsin, you might get May 11th freeze, right? So right. this works for you. Where does that stop working, do you think? Where does planting early help you get through stress? When does it stop working? Somewhere around uh, mid-Missouri? Well, I mean, not maybe for maybe for March fifteenth, but but Damien, I mean ev- that that freeze line, you know, everybody knows where their freeze line is and when. We, so take February, you know, we that that's a February was a month earlier than than when we started on the March fifteenth. So it was February fifteenth or eighteenth or whatever day it was. We were sitting in the office and we did our calculations. Okay, at what point? can the freeze hurt us? What point right. can a frost hurt us? And as right. long as those cotyledons aren't off, it we don't seem to find the damage that we did before on hurting the beans the beans at a young young age. So if you can if you have the math of all right, this is this is the the point I can start planting and I've got, I think it was like five weeks dead or six weeks after the after the beans comes up, then the cotyledon comes off then you're susceptible to the freeze or the frost. So it, it all depends on region and, and the math of when, you know, when is early. All right, so let's do the takeaway on that. Um, we know that you just almost set history, Matt. You've been farming there your whole life. Uh, and so you, you're you not familiar with all the weather of the history of Arkansas's weather, but you're familiar with at least 50 years worth of it. You said this is the third worst summer in terms of heat that you've ever had. Maybe it's not going to be that way next year. Do you go ahead and do the early planning and all the things, assuming that heat's going to be your biggest problem? In other words, do you just say the if you got to manage for one problem, we manage for overnight heat problems and let's get out sooner? Is that what you're going to do? Yeah, we pretty much try to stay consistent, and we've we've been very blessed with consistent yields. Uh, they may not always be, you know, really high yields, but they're consistent. That they're what pays the bills. And so, you know, when I think there's something better, and we talked about this on the podcast last night, you know, if we were fortune tellers or if we had 2020, we would know this year, plant your corn early. We, we backed our corn planting data up because we feel like it increases yield, you know, to do that. Well, out of 10 years, this was probably the one year that we should have left that planting date you know, earlier, because we would have missed some of this extreme heat during pollination. 
Then you go past that and say, okay, March 1 to 15 this year, I would have said would have been the best planning day. Or maybe May 20th, you know, go two months down the road and skip some of that really bad heat. The thing is, I feel like you you risk more trying to beat the heat on the lat- latter part than you yep. do on the part. There's a lot more. You mean like double crop? You talk about wheat beans. So after your wheat gets harvested, you go out and you plant soybeans. And then you and Rob talk about this, uh, or even corn. You say you're you're more worried about. You say getting it out earlier in your first crop matters a lot, but you're not afraid to wait a little bit on second planting. Is that what I'm hearing? Well, we don't have a choice on a second planting, and we're we know uh, we know up front that we're going to take a ten to fifteen bushel hit on yields you know, behind the double crop beans, but there's no choice. You can't, you know, the wheat's going to come off in June. So you're going to plant those beans in June. This particular year, one out of 10, I'm not, we'll start cutting on a Monday. We'll start harvesting them Monday. So I'm not going to say anything about yields yet. I still think they'll be lower, but they won't have the damage in them, you know, and I preach early planting soybeans as being the biggest yield influencer in a soybean plant. You can have all the go-go juice you want, but that planting day affects yield more than any other thing. This year, that was great. You know, our early planted beans were good, but then the adverse weather that come in at harvest, which would theoretically normally be a month later when we're through, yeah. came in last of July, 1st of August, and it was a mess. So I want to hear all about the adverse weather that came in at harvest, and then also I hear about some other adjustments you make to because we've talked about different things for marketing, selling, and different things you do from a business practice to capitalize on that. Before we do that, we got to hear about something that you probably are saying, Damien. I don't know about that. Hey, farmers, want to save money on fertility without sacrificing yield? Harvest last season's nutrients for this season's crop with Extract, powered by Accomplish. I'm Damian Mason. I'm host of Extreme Ag's Cutting the Curve, and every day we talk about ways to be more profitable, to do better by your soils, and I'm telling you this might be the answer. Extract, powered by Accomplish, is exclusively available from Nutrient Ag Solutions. So contact your local Nutrient Ag Solutions crop consultant to learn more. All right, late season. You used to tell me, because I never knew this, you know, I think about hurricanes, I think about hurricanes hitting Florida like it just happened. You told me when I first started with uh, Extreme Ag, you said something about getting things done before the hurricanes. And I said, I don't know what the hell you're talking about. You're in Arkansas. And you said, no, when those things happen, if we've still got crops standing out there, we're screwed. And that's why we got to be in a hurry. And that's why we have maybe a touch more equipment than we need, because that equipment makes a big, huge difference paying for itself when you've got your stuff harvested and the guy down the road has still got crops out there that are being destroyed. Talk to me about what happened after uh we got through the tough part of june and july overnight heat yeah so we went into the june and july and it was some of the you know as we said hottest we couldn't uh, irrigation wouldn't keep up lane's got a visual he's got a uh, a uh, yield map that will show you you know just the difference in soil type we you know i told you earlier before we started recording we i've learned a lot of stuff i put in 35 40 crops and i've learned a lot of stuff this year uh you know, to prepare myself for the next time this happens. But so we were getting a dollar eighty a bushel premium for any beans that we could get in in August. Okay. 
So if we got any beans in in August, it was $1.80. If we got any beans in in September, when I say in, harvested took to the elevator. Any beans in in first half of September was like $1.25. October basis was 40 cents. So you're talking a buck 40 a bushel. And I thought, man, I, this is, you know, we're, we're fitting to rock the world here because we're all of our beans are early and we're going to, we'll get, there's no way we'll get any in la later than September other than we be. Just, just if, for example, if somebody's listening to this, that like is, is new to the game here, your the basis means the spread between what the, the board of trade says the, the crop is you're talking about your beans, the world needed beans because it was pre-harvest for the I states. Let's say they're they're bidding it up to where you're going to make a buck forty over normal price because the world is needing beans, right? That's right, and that's something that we get to take we get to take advantage of <clears throat> with more combines and with planting early and with grain beans. You know, there's and so being and being located where you are, so you. You, um, you you complain about not having the soils that Kelly does up in Iowa, but the benefit is you at least do get to capture some uh, bigger profits on a crop if it, things work out because of timing. So you were thinking, I'm going to rock the world. And that was about what, early August? Yeah, yeah, early August, late July, early August. Uh, we started really pressuring the bees to get ready. We cut the... Um, we cut our ultra early beans that we got in. You know, I had a target of getting those in before the last day of, of uh, August. And we got 600 acres of them harvested. I mean, it was the 31st when we delivered the last load. But we got those in. We got the basis on those. And we were now we were set up to get the premium on the first half of September beans. <clears throat> it started raining. And when I say rain, Damon, not... It don't it don't have to rain much it, you know we we went about a 12 to 15 day window there where you might get a tenth of an inch or a hundredth of an inch or just you know the next day may be cloudy all day with humidity you know and what it does is i mean you, you take a soybean and go put it in a glass of water and just let it sit there for 24 hours and dump it back out and see see what it looks like Right. So that that went into quality issues. And, you know, there, there was nothing we could do about it. But that hot weather, anytime you have hot weather and mature beans, you're going to get what's called damage. They sprout in the pod. The pod wall of the bean gets really thin, you know, because, you know, that bean stretching out. Hopefully you've got a, a big bean that you've put these products on to get a yeah. bigger seed size. And our test weights went down to 49%. We well, once, that, once that soybean inside that pot, and by the way, this is something that I think is interesting to people like me from the Midwest. We don't have this problem, I'm assuming, because we generally don't have that wet of falls. Our soybeans around here would come ready to harvest, let's say, third week of September till mid-October. We don't have the heat. So I'm guessing the reason it happens, if we get wet, we ain't got... 91 degrees that then is going to be conducive to sprouting is that the reason you have it and we don't yeah i think so i mean it just <clears throat> it stays moist in that pod you yes. know back to you know and i'm gonna throw this out there we planted that double crop soybean behind the march behind the fairware beans our soil temperature was 102 soil temperature go lay down in a, in a real sandy field, cover yourself up with sand and see how well you react to 102 degree temperature. What time, what time of year was the soil temperature 102? July 31st. 
I've got pictures of microbes, and I was thinking this means going to die when I stick it in the ground. This means going to die before it ever has a chance to germinate. Well, we only cook we only cook beans to about 130, don't we? So you're not <laughs> you're not real far off. Exactly, and I'm planting a new bean in that soil and expecting it to sprout and do well. But <clears throat> you know that it just seemed like we went from really hot and 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 lost yield there to the adverse weather conditions. All right. So what I want to do, Lane, talk to me about this. All right. You were looking at dollar twenty-five, dollar forty plus dollar twenty-five basis. That's that's rocking the that's that's ringing the bell right there. And you went from that to a bunch of rains came in when you're already still just hotter and all hell. And then you got a problem now. Your your beans are sprouting in the pods and you can't harvest because it's wet. And then the beans are still wet. And then you sit there and look out at those fields. What's the adjustment? That's what we're talking about is adjusting to the weather so that you don't have a failure. What'd you, what'd you start? What was the adjustment you started making? Well, I mean, obviously you've got to wait till, till you can get the combine back in the field. Uh, but, you know, once you start cutting, you're like, man, this, this, this is tough. You know, these beans, these beans look pretty bad and you start getting rejected. Uh, you know, you got to basically make an adjustment. Then where do I go with them? Who's going to take them? Uh, what do I do next? So we started taking them to our bins and because n nobody would take them and hope, hopefully all this, this kind of not necessarily blows over because we still going to have damaged beans. But if, if we're in there, we're taking a damaged load and then somebody else comes in with a good load, you know, that elevator, they're going to blend, they're going to blend our damage off. Uh, that that's going to be our adjustment there. Where, what, what do we do? What do we do with these beans? When, when nobody wants them, they look terrible, they smell bad, uh, where do we go with them? What do we do with them? And the adjustment is take them, take them to the bins or take them to somebody that, that, that wants them to where the elevator will blend them off. When they went to your, when they went to your bins, because you had nowhere else to go, the elevator didn't want them, do you have to blow air on them to get them fit to the store? Uh, the, the moisture was actually, you know, fairly good on them, Damien. I mean, as long as they're I mean, even the elevator tell you when that when they're able to take the the more damaged beans, then as long as the moisture is down on them, they'll they'll still store. But they also will. I mean, that's harder to get the moisture down on them. So yes, when we put them in the bins, we've got to blow a little bit of air on them to get that. It ain't a lot, but enough air on them to get them to where they'll store. How many of the what percentage of your beans? were damaged to the point where you didn't even know for sure if somebody would take them 10 percent, 20 percent i'm talking of acres and fields no i wouldn't say that um i can do some no. quick yeah. so about five to ten percent of the the beans were in bad shape yeah i mean it wasn't it, it, it was i'm gonna say five loads ten loads dad so so five, five percent okay now here's the next question what prevented, what do you think that you did that made it so it was only 5% versus 25%? Was it just luck and the weather? Or did you think some of the things you did made some of your beans hold up better when those nasty, and it was pretty heavy rains that came in with that scorching temperature. Was it something you did or just blind luck that made it only 5% versus being worse? Well, I mean, I actually felt like we were probably some of the some of the people in the worst shape because we designed our crop around earliness to, to catch the premium. So I'm going to say that we were probably, like I said, in worse shape than some of our neighbors because their beans were later, you know, and our later beans were better, you know, okay. so, 
it was just a it was just a timing issue. And you asked how you prepare for that. Uh, you know, I knew early on what what we were fixing to see, and we are disgusted. And you find the elevator with the least amount of damage charges, and you cut as fast as you possibly can. Mm -hmm. Because when the other farmers start getting their beans in there and they're damaged, and they're gonna go, whoa, we can't take anymore. Yeah, we're done. Yeah, the elevator puts a blockade up and says we can't take more. So you're thinking that uh, the main thing is cut cut the damage. So the I'm talking about adjustments. Cut the damage stuff as quickly as you can. Find a place to go with them. Sit on some if you have to and figure it out later. Then the other part of it is you kind of did admit there was a mistake you made. You think maybe you got ahead of yourself on desiccation. You wanted to make sure you had plenty of beans to capture early stuff. And maybe you got caught with too many beans that then got damaged. Is that still uh, a story? You know, I really, after after looking at it, and we talked about this on a podcast last night, you know, I've, I've changed my mentality on that. You know, at one point in time, I thought there's no need of having a desiccated bean out there if you know you're not going to be able to harvest it, okay? Mm -hmm. So you can mitigate that risk if there is a risk. The more we cut, the more we've seen, the more data we're getting on desiccation, you got to realize we used to be the only desiccators. Well, now you got all the guys in extreme ag doing it. So we got new data. We're not just looking at our data. Well, they're going to do things better than we did or worse than we did. You know, and Ch like Chad said, those beans he had in Georgia last year, the ones that he didn't desiccate were just as much or more damaged than the ones he did. Yeah. So I'm starting to change my mentality on that. Now, I still look at the forecast. And if I'm going to have, if I, all right, so the last day we desiccated, they changed the whole forecast. So I'm like, oh crap, now we're in trouble. Right. They we started looking at some of these beans prior to so so we quit desiccating and where we got the really bad beans, we went out there after the weather passed. You know, we surveyed the soybeans and we had two to three pods sprouting and damaged in every plant prior to any desiccation. So at that point, desiccation is not didn't hurt anything. Well, what's remarkable to me is there's the person that's a, the naysayer, the coffee shop crowd, the person that we don't like because they're not really a part of uh, the extreme egg following because they uh, they want to judge versus adjust. They would say, what's what he gets for going out there and killing off all those beans? Should have known that weather's coming. Well, first off, it takes what? After you go through and desiccate four to five days till you can harvest five to well, six? You got 14 day harvest interval between between desiccation and when you put it out. What's the first day you could do it? The very first day? The the 15th day is when you can start harvest. Okay, so it takes two weeks. Nobody can predict the weather 15. I thought it was only like five to seven days. So nobody can predict 14-day weather, no matter where they are. And, and if they tell you they can, they're lying. But anyway, do you think that the um, do you think that the answer is um, you just get the stick? When do you think the adjustments, I guess is the question, when do you think the adjustments you made helped you out with the extreme weather, what what adjustments and when do you think it really mattered? What thing do you look back and say, boy, this really made me some money to adjust this way? Well, two things. I mean, like like you know, and I was that's what I was going to mention a while ago when Lane was talking. I almost interrupted. Damaged soybeans in our area is almost like a run on the bank. You know, the first person has a bad load, and then the elevator's like, whoa, and they start charging more. You know, we went from a a 180 positive basis in the same month to a negative 40 basis. All right. So is that basis still not there at the Gulf? If they blend the beans, but it makes us look like, hey, 
you got damaged beans, so we're fixing to rip you a new one. Now, mm -hmm. did some of those elevators get a ripped a new one too? Probably. They get the beans down in the Gulf. They go off grade. Mm -hmm. uh, one elevator, he said they lost $2 a bushel on that barge. There were a lot of barges floating in the Gulf that were damaged yeah. because all those beans were coming from Louisiana and Arkansas, right. South, South Georgia, you know, Florida. So it becomes a scare ta tactic. And what, what Lane's saying is a lot of times, so during, and this is what, this really sucks too. So just say you got a 5% damaged bean and they're charging you 40 cents a bushel for the damage. Okay. It's a monetary discount. Yep. During that month, they changed that 40 cents a bushel to a dollar 20 a bushel discount. Mm -hmm. So they have the right to change that discount. You wonder why a farmer gets mad sometimes. Yeah. You're in midstream. You contracted your beans with this elevator. Yeah. And it's like, well, 5% damage was 40, but today we're going to charge a dollar 20. Yeah. The thing is, they'll contract you the price. They don't guarantee you the, the they don't guarantee you what the damage charge is going to be. Right. Um, which is kind of a pisser. So, Lane, you're, you've been at this for 10 years. Your old man's been at it longer. Uh, what mistake? I think you're old enough now you can admit. Remember, young guys never admit they made a mistake, but you're old enough now. <laughs> what what mistakes did you make when it came to things you think now, looking back, you could have done a little better uh, to mitigate weather's um, impact on your yield or your price? Anything? Uh, that that That's kind of a hard one, Damien, because, I mean, I, I, it, to me, it's it's always goes back to, to planning dates because – Cause that's what, that's what really dictated the, uh, you know, the, our better corn or our better beans, our beans that weren't damaged or, or anything like that. I, I wouldn't call it a mistake because year in and nine, nine out of 10 years, I, I guess obviously nine out of 10 years that I've been farming 10 years, there's only been one that, that yeah, right. has happened. Right. And if it happens one every 10 years, you're okay. If it happens, if it happens for the next four years, it's going to be a problem. Our adjustment, our biggest adjustment that we didn't make when I turned, told you earlier that we've learned a lot of stuff out of this year, we should have irrigated more. You know, yeah. we, we worry about over irrigating more so than we do under irrigating. Yeah. And we should have, instead of irrigating a, a, a set in a field every seven days, we should have been doing that every five. Do you think that when we when you've got people listening to this from all over and some of these people are out in the Western Plains, let's say, they're not allowed to irrigate. They know water or they're going to use environmental pressure. There's legal pressure for them not to. Do you think this is one of the advantages that Miles Farms has? Because you're down, the water table is what, seven feet? <laughs> I mean, you got water, you got plenty of water. Do you think this is an advantage you'll have that'll help you adjust to weather uh, issues moving forward? It, it does some, but you think about where you live. Your corn, your dryland corn yields are better than our irrigated. Right. So, you know, it it's it's an advantage. Here today, we wouldn't be having this conversation if we were dryland. Right. Literally, I look at like the NCGA results and stuff, and and dryland corn, when you get north of say middle Missouri, it will out yield our irrigated corn because of the heat and the stress and the things we have. So yeah. it keeps us in the game. Yeah. Uh, I'm not gonna say that it you know, that it makes us money. It definitely makes us money to farm in the Delta and have irrigation, but does it make us money against Kelly? You know, probably not, but his land rent's going to be higher than ours. Yeah. 
Sure. You know, in the end, it all comes out, you know, pretty much. I, I've compared with a lot of my counterparts in different areas. And in the end, the net result per acre profit is really scarily close. You know, yeah. between my insects and, and them, no, you know, it just, it's kind of weird how God makes it work. It all ends up it's working it. out. Um, Damien, I, sorry, go ahead. That's it. Oh, on, on, you know, talk, talking on the irrigation, you know, whether or not, you know, we irrigated too much or not enough. We have, and I can show you an illustration on that too. I've got one field that, you know, to kind of explain our irrigation for people that don't know, we, we irrigate what we call sets, blocks of a field. So just say you've got 40 acres and there's two sets and, you know, each one's 20 acres. I've got also, one. Also, because got. I've been there and some of the people listen to this, when they think of irrigation, they think of a center pivot. You don't do center pivots. You do uh, row fall. Row, row fall. I'd call it flood irrigation. You guys call it row yeah, I just call it row irrigation. I, I don't really know the exact water, water goes down the row. Got it. It's it's uh, it, okay. Got it. And anyway, so this one field has has seven sets, and it takes seven days to water. Yep. Well, we had a well go out, and I was supplementing. I was going one way when the well went out. And I supplemented with another well as best I could, and didn't. There was a set in the middle that probably didn't get watered for 10 days on one of the initial irrigations. And I mean, Damien, when when I say look like pineapples, I mean it was just it looked like a, it looked like a just a just a roll of pineapples. You need to show all, that. Yeah. All because of a well being out. We got the well fixed, got it irrigated. You know, we stayed what what I guess the best you can stay called up for the rest of the year because it was extreme heat. Yeah. But in the middle of my yield map, the at day after we cut that field, it is it's literally in the middle where the sets match. It's red and orange on, on the outside. It's it's greens and yellows and all the no, like normal yield map stuff. Mm -hmm. But exactly row to row to where that set didn't get watered, it it is it's orange and red. Yeah, obviously you you wouldn't have a. It, if you don't have water, you got no crop down there, especially in a year like this. Right. right last thoughts on a weather adjustments from uh from you lane then we'll get it from the seasoned veteran any thoughts big lesson big takeaway from this year that's a pretty good one right there anything else yeah yeah oh uh, i mean just when they say it's gonna be hot we we gotta be we gotta be prepared for it uh and i know products are are stress mitigating products probably help but we've got to be able to to adjust in in real time because the the only band-aid so much. Did every did every acre of your Miles Farm have a stress mitigation product applied at multiple times or at least once? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. They they did of some sort, yeah. you know, maybe multiple, multiple different products, you know. Yeah. Back to back to what I was saying, you know, earlier, enough fertility is stress mitigation. You know, enough irrigation. We didn't get complete stress mitigation because we didn't get enough water on the crops. I mean, yeah. soil type dictated that so much. You could have a soil type that's a stiffer, normally a little bit yielding, little bit yielding, less yielding on the top end of the field where the water got the most. And still it was a 30 bushel, you know, negative compared to where the water, maybe some of the ground that held water better. That's the takeaway for me is whether it's cover crops or whatever it is, can we figure out ways to have more moisture holding capacity mm -hmm. to protect ourselves against years like this? Mm -hmm. 
That's a good takeaway. We talked about adjusting for the weather. You know, you can't control it. Uh, Matt said something smart. We got to find a way to stop blaming the weather for our failures. Uh, and we're talking about adjustments you can make and things you can do. Stress mitigation products, uh, timing of water, when you use water, cover crops, when you plant. Uh, we heard it all. Also, timing out your harvest now with the ability to desiccate and uh, your soybeans. That's Matt Miles and Lane Miles from McGee, Arkansas. Thanks for being here, guys. Yep. Thanks, Daniel. Till next time, I'm David Mason. It's Cutting the Curve. Thanks for listening to another edition of Cutting the Curve. For more information that you can apply to your farm operation, visit extremeag.farm. Are your crops stressed out? Ag Explorer has you covered with a full line of products to help protect your crop from environmental stressors such as cold and wet or heat and drought. Check out agexplorer.com and start protecting your yields and profits.